Hello friends! Welcome back to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture Podcast. I already know I just lost some people. That was probably a mistake. Because, you know, one thing that I learned from my days on YouTube is that some people absolutely despise when you break out in song, when you are talking. Here's the thing. I've always done this. I purposely try not to do it on the podcast because I don't want to annoy people. And also, this is more of an information-based podcast. But on YouTube, when I was recording myself and doing vlogs and stuff, I would just come out naturally because I would be in a conversation with my partner or doing something. And I would get comments and people would just say, oh my gosh, it's so annoying when you sing. It's not funny or cute. (laughs) And I would always just think to myself, well, unfortunately, I'm not trying to be funny or cute. This is just my personality. So I think that makes it even worse. (laughs) But anyways, to dive into this podcast, if you are new here, I promise I do not sing in the intros. This is actually a space where we discuss nutrition, wellness, fitness, world diet culture events that are going on. And I share things from an anti-diet lens because there is so much information out there that discusses things in a diet culture-ridden lens. And I feel like when you're making a decision, it makes it a lot easier if you have different angles to think about. If you are new to me, I am Mallory Page. I am a registered dietitian, and I am also the host of this podcast, and I am just so looking forward to this episode today. It's one I've been wanting to cover. Oh my gosh, guys. I have been batch recording this podcast today. Listen. Welcome in. Welcome into the podcast home. Yes, I'm, I was, I've been awaiting you. If you listen to the pod, you know about my cat, Otis. We do this game every single time I record. That's super cute where he is unhappy whether he is in the closet where I record or whether he is out of it. And he can never decide what he wants, which is extremely cute. And I've actually been batch recording today because, fun story, I'm going to Europe in a few weeks. And I'm so excited. So I'm getting prepped to have the podcast ready as I go. And I'm not typically someone that does a lot of batch recording. I really like to be able to sit down and record each week because I feel like I'm getting to chat with you guys and I genuinely miss not recording for the podcast. So I don't typically do this, but I've been in here for like, I don't know, a while now without him coming in, like four hours or so. And now he has meandered his way in, so hopefully he will not be too much of a nuisance. But I will not go on at length because I feel like you guys hear about this story enough. And you know what we have not heard about enough is what I'm covering today. The shift from diet culture to wellness culture to diet culture in none other than Weight Watchers. Yes, you guys have all heard of Weight Watchers. I know you have, but I doubt you have heard of this tea. And that's why we're going over it today. So why do I even want to cover this? Well, number one, Weight Watchers is a brand that has most likely personally victimized more people than Regina George. If you like the Mean Girls reference, you are my person because Mean Girls, it's everything to me, okay? And 
when people think about Weight Watchers, I think they believe it's almost just this constant, you know? It's been around for so long that we don't even often think about how it still affects so many people. And we also don't really think about what is Weight Watchers really? Is it really just glorified calorie counting, repackaged, and with the bow on it? Or is it actually a lot more, especially in recent years? So there are so many women who have deep-rooted trauma from their moms or parents or whoever else in their life constantly being on Weight Watchers, or their moms even forcing them to go on Weight Watchers with them. I mean, I've heard people from as young of the age of five that have been forced to go on Weight Watchers. And those, for those of you that have been graced with never having to be on it, thank goodness, Weight Watchers is a weight loss program that uses a point system, and it is essentially just calorie counting with rule changes. So those points, they are used instead of calories, and they have this whole system of how different things rank, but at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same as tracking from my personal experience. They do have their own unique way of putting this together and packaging it so that it doesn't seem like that. So they would argue what I'm telling you right now, but I promise you it is basically the same thing. As I'm sure you would have guessed, from a disordered eating standpoint, this is very problematic at any stage of life, but especially for kids because we're teaching kids that their bodies are not only unacceptable in some way, which is why they need to go and count calories, but we're also telling them that they have to control their food in order to be healthy or okay or whatever other reason that you're giving them. And this leaves a lasting impact no matter what. Even if they don't develop an eating disorder or they don't self-diagnose with disordered eating, this will predispose them to that, whether it be when they're young or potentially at some other point later in their life. And that's why it's incredible to me that Weight Watchers has the chokehold grip on this country that it does. It is just branded calorie counting. But this branded calorie counting has survived so, so long. I mean, think about the other stuff that was even close to this era. The hydroxy cuts, the P90X, the South Beach diet. None of those things have the same pervasiveness as Weight Watchers does. And yet, to me, they all kind of fall under a similar category. So you may be wondering why that is, and I believe there's a plethora of reasons for that. But one reason why I feel is because of how Weight Watchers has branded themselves over the years. And if you've watched closely, in recent years, they have actually been going through a rebrand into more of wellness-oriented content, and they were also getting away with it. So how has a company that has only ever cared about weight loss, literally Weight Watchers is the name, getting away with this rebrand? How can they get away with acting like they care about holistic health? So in order to really unpack this, I think we need to first dive into the history of Weight Watchers. So Weight Watchers started all the way back in 1961. That is 62 years ago. 
So as far as I know, most of my audience here is far younger than Weight Watchers. And for those of you that are listening who are close in age to Weight Watchers, I commend you for surviving close to your entire life with this under unrelenting brand. You deserve extra props here today. Also, I should just mention as a quick aside, all of this info that I'm sharing about their timeline is from their website on Weight Watchers. So I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. Anyways, Weight Watchers was started back in 1961 with the then 37-year-old Jean Nindech. You guys know I'm not very good at pronouncing last names, but I think I got that one. Jean had been overweight for most of her life and had been discouraged by the years of fad dieting. At the time, this was pills, hypnosis, fad programs. Not really the same at all as what we see today. But she always ended up regaining the weight. So honestly, Jean was really just like a lot of what you guys may resonate with. Just a normal person who's felt pressured to lose weight and didn't know how to lose weight and so was trying to do these different methods, but none of them were working. So ultimately, she did the best thing that she could think of, which was seek professional medical help. So yes, we do know that doctors are not the most knowledgeable people for nutrition, but... When you look at it compared to the other options like pills and hypnosis, it's definitely a step up, right? She entered a 10-week weight loss program sponsored by the New York City Board of Health's Obesity Clinic. At the time, the diet was called the Prudent Diet that she was on, which, by the way, prudence is the virtue of self-discipline and reason. It's just funny that that's what they deduce that from. Jean was actually able to lose 20 pounds, but then she struggled with motivation. She ultimately learned that the weekly meetings with others and support groups helped her the most in her goals, and that was actually where Weight Watchers began. Two years later, by 1963, Jean finally launched Weight Watchers Incorporated, and by 1966, the first Weight Watchers cookbook was published. And by 1968, just five years after its initial launch, Weight Watchers had one million members worldwide, which is very significant for an app that is that young in its life cycle. Then by 1978, H.J. Heinz & Co., yes, this is the catch-up people, bought Weight Watchers for $71 million dollars. And this is when the branded Weight Watchers products really started to take off. So now we're skipping forward many years of growth, celebrity endorsements, and a new point system. Now Weight Watchers becomes one of the first to release a weight loss app. So this is in 2009. But again, apps at this time were a super, super big deal. So just think about the impact of having one of the first apps, but also one of the first weight loss or nutrition-oriented apps. Finally, we can fast forward and land in 2018, which this is when Weight Watchers announced its rebrand to WW, and this is where things start to get really freaking spicy, okay? So Weight Watchers, now WW, announced a quote-unquote renewed purpose to inspire healthy habits for real life, end quote. While the company said it was still proud of its title to be global leaders in weight loss, they quote-unquote 
welcome anyone who wants to build healthy habits. And they even have a new tagline, wellness that works. (laughs) I love pronouncing taglines in that very dramatic way. So all the way back to the main question, why has WW plagued us for 62 years and what the heck was up? with this rebrand, right? Why did they choose to do this? If they're a leader in the weight loss space, they've had all of the success, what's the reason? Well, WW has been around for as long as it has because a significant number of Americans have been interested in losing weight since the 50s. According to the Smithsonian National Museum of American History, by the 80s, 30% of women were on a diet and 20% of men were on a diet. What is particularly interesting about this, though, is that 30% of people did not have extra weight in the 50s. According to the CDC, the proportion of Americans in larger bodies at the time was much smaller, coming in at only 10%. What this indicates is that Americans have always had the desire to be thinner, even before they had any quote-unquote weight to lose in the first place. Basically, Weight Watchers has survived as long as it has because of this. There have always been Americans who want to lose weight no matter what size they are. And I think that Weight Watchers' long reign is much more of a testament to Americans' obsession with being thin than the actual need to lose weight due to being quote-unquote overweight. And there are so many angles that we could go into from what I was just talking about, but I feel like the most important one that I want you all to think about is the fact that the CDC guidelines are extremely problematic in themselves, and the definition of being overweight in itself is also incorrect and flawed. So that number of 10% is likely even lower. And how many different companies or people that talk about the quote-unquote obesity epidemic say that we need apps like this because we have a problem with weight, when in reality, if we actually look at it, these type of things have not even helped. Things have just gotten worse over the years, and the initial reason why these things were even started was more because of the obsession with thinness than actually anything that needed to be quote-unquote fixed. Now, the other thing to remember is that until recently, there really hasn't been any pushback against diets. I mean, for our generation, most of you that are listening, there has been a presence of kind of pushback against diets for more years, but for people that were born or have lived through the phase of the ideation of Weight Watchers and all these other things, this has only been very recent in your life, especially people actually calling out diets as problematic and admitting that they don't work. I mean, there is research now that supports the fact that 95% of diets lead to weight regained. And all of this information has led to a greater push for what we call lifestyle changes. So I know that this sounds much more positive, and we're not going to get into an argument against wellness culture versus diet culture today. 
But just know that this idea of lifestyle changes also can have its flaws. Many of the trends or present day kind of events that have brought this up are the trend of mental health being talked about more, fitness influencers, wellness influencers in general. And overall, when you combine all of these different elements of lifestyle changes and the things that promote these lifestyle changes, you get the conglomerate monster of of wellness culture. And wellness culture is particularly fascinating because it really was born out of this pushback against diets, but in a lot of ways, it has simply just become the new diet. So taking this back to Weight Watchers, or now known as WW at the time, (laughs) they knew about this pushback against diets. And the reason they rebranded was not because they thought all of this was so great and cool and they didn't want to be about diet anymore. It was because they knew that they had to rebrand or they thought that they had to rebrand in order to not be put out of business. They are a huge corporation. They have a large marketing team, huge budgets for marketing alone. I mean, just think of their celebrity endorsements. They had Oprah endorsing them when she was one of the biggest celebrities out there. I think she still does endorse them. But there's also so many other ones, guys. And they likely had anticipated it was only a matter of time before people got fed up with diets and before they were against the Weight Watchers mission. Essentially, they rebranded because they had to, not because they necessarily wanted to. If I had to guess, in their mind, it felt like choosing between rebranding and becoming obsolete or not profitable, which for a big corporation is essentially the same thing. By making this decision... They really seized an amazing marketing opportunity. I don't want to put it that way because I agree with their decision, but companies that are able to co-opt the current trends and utilize that, or what I would more accurately say, weaponize that in order to expand their reach, it's genius, right? Because... Essentially, in the past, Weight Watchers was only able to market to a very specific demographic, these people that wanted to lose weight, and also mostly people that at that time were older, but now they were able to expand that reach not only back to that audience that's older that may have been trying to push against dieting or weight loss because of these new movements, but also to a bunch of people that were younger and potentially vulnerable because of the fact that they were utilizing terminology that seemed more wellness-based and therefore, quote-unquote, healthy. A lot of what they were saying was that by doing this work, you are improving your overall nutritional health, mental health, fitness, sleep hygiene, and honestly, so many other things. And the reason why this type of marketing is so genius or toxic to break into is because there are no clearly defined lines between what is and what isn't wellness and also what is and what isn't healthy. You can make anything into wellness with the right spin. Food, wellness. Exercise, wellness. Sleep, wellness. Medication, 
Doctors? Ozempic? Wellness. The furniture in your house? Make it feng shui? Wellness. The very air you breathe. Is it clean, quote unquote, enough? Buy this air purifier. Wellness. We could be here all day going through this. So honestly, I think it was only a matter of time before Weight Watchers jumped on to this wellness train because from a business standpoint, wellness is that gift that just keeps on giving. You have unlimited marketing potential. There are millions of influencers that want to get into the wellness space. There is almost no person out there who is going to say no to wanting to be more healthy or is going to say that they want to feel worse, especially in this younger generation that is very, very focused on their mental health because we now know the ties between physical health and mental health. So all of this being said, I recognize why Weight Watchers made this choice from a business perspective. I get that it was a good choice for their profit, and I see that they have definitely mastered the ability to see a new opportunity and harness it for profit. They took wellness culture, something that had potential to put them out of business, made it their own, and now they have an even larger target market than ever before. But this is a company that, as I said, has always been about profit. And it is masquerading as one that genuinely cares about your health. There was no compassion within this decision for protecting people against disordered eating. Where are the disclaimers that it can be dangerous for children psychologically and physically to attempt to lose weight? Where are the people that warn and explain that Weight Watchers isn't for someone with eating disorders? How do they think that it's okay to release a weight loss app for children in 2020? From a capitalist business standpoint, yeah, they're doing a great job. They know how to bring in a profit like no other, and that's why they've been so pervasive. But from a human standpoint and from an, an actual success of their practices standpoint, where is the justice for all the people who developed disordered eating or eating disorders from being put at Weight Watchers from a young age at an older age? And also, where is the admittance of the fact that many of these practices not only don't work in general, but are also not wellness practices? Let me tell you something. The influencers ads that I saw during this time about Weight Watchers and the backlash that they got was wild. There are some specific people that I'm thinking of that took these Weight Watchers partnerships and most of them also resided in very small, already very societally acceptable bodies and they tried to promote it as a wellness app. I'm sure they got a ton of money and people were losing their minds, rightfully so. I couldn't even believe that this was happening. It felt like living in an alternate universe. And this was all the way up into 2020, 2021 that we were seeing this stuff and seeing all of the WW rebrand persist. Okay, but here's what's funny. And I am going to say funny because this is a huge corporation and we're not going to feel bad for them. 
This totally backfired. What in hindsight, or what in theory, I should say, was a great idea, ended up absolutely plummeting Weight Watchers stock and also their membership. There's a lot of reason as to why people speculate that this happened. It's not just one thing, and they don't even know for sure why this was happening. But most people speculate that it's because they had a really weak marketing campaign and also because of that current shift that was going on where there was that push against diets and there were still people that were figuring out that Weight Watchers was a load of BS, kind of like what I was saying with that influencer ad. There were enough people that still knew, you know what, you may be trying to fool me, but you're not fooling me. I think that they tried to do what Noom did. They were trying to replicate them, but because people already knew of their past brand, the rebrand plus weak marketing, it just didn't work versus Noom was a new brand and no one had any past experiences with it. So people didn't question it in the same way, even though they're basically the exact same thing. They're just two different restrictive apps. And I also think that Weight Watchers was trying to be dipping their hands in both pots. Like, they still kind of wanted to be weight loss for everybody that used to be on their app, and they still kind of wanted to be in wellness. And by not making that choice 100%, they weren't actually able to successfully co-opt this movement of wellness culture like they originally intended to. And the people that were there for weight loss were annoyed because they're like, wait, so am I here for weight loss or is this all wellness focused? And the people that were there for wellness was like, wait, this is just weight loss. Why am I here? And this was not quickly improved. Actually, since that point and around 2018, Weight Watchers struggled continuously or WW at the time. They had continual drops in their overall client numbers. I don't, that's not the word that I'm looking for, but you guys get what I'm saying. And then in March of 2022, last year, they had a new CEO come in called Seema Sistani and she re-embraced the Weight Watchers mindset. So not only did that mean they went back to the same ideals that they had before, stripped away some of the programs that were more wellness oriented, they also re-embraced their Weight Watchers name, not WW. So now they're Weight Watchers again, and you may be wondering, okay, so what angle are they taking, right? If we've learned anything from this podcast, they're clearly going to make some new decision because they're struggling regardless. They need to reinvigorate. And that's where we get to the conversation of Ozempic and Wagovi. I have an entire podcast episode on these drugs, but regardless of listening to that, you guys probably know what these are. They are wildly popular right now, and they also have a huge profit potential. These drugs were originally intended for diabetes, but they're now being used for weight loss. And one of the problems with these drugs is that the weight often comes back after stopping the medication. So drugs like Ozempic need a doctor's prescription as well as careful oversight while you are on them. Plus, there are dietary recommendations to follow while being on the drug, such as high protein intake to prevent muscle loss. Now, I don't think that Weight Watchers is very concerned about these drawbacks. They 
are ready to go full throttle with this. When that CEO was asked about her thoughts on this, she says she thinks it's one of the, I think it was single greatest innovations in the space of weight loss. So she is fully into it. But I will say that there is no question about the fact that they are going to use the angle of being those dietary recommendations as well as the thing that you can utilize to quote unquote keep the weight off once people go on to Ozempic. I think what's really important to recognize about everything that we just explained with these rebrands and with Weight Watchers' success is how they are really driven by profit, not their actual concern for the people that they are working with. They rebranded into a wellness company because they thought that they had to. It then backfired on them, and now they're going back to square one where they originally were with their name, and then even opting into something more diet culture-y than before. And there is actually an episode on the journal that talks more about the Weight Watchers buying into Ozempic conversation, and you can hear even more about their thoughts behind this and some of the ethical pieces of this on there if you're interested in it. I know I haven't done an episode specifically on Weight Watchers more from the nutrition standpoint, but I also feel like you guys know my stance, even just throughout this podcast. And I think that it's important to go back to what we talked about in the beginning in terms of the origination of Weight Watchers itself. It was after a diet called the Prudent Diet, which is basically another way of saying, have some self-control. Someone that is saying you can lose weight by simply having better self-control doesn't really know people that well, and they don't have your best interests in mind. Food has always been so much more than what we put into our mouths, and that is why so many people struggle with food in so many ways, from eating disorders to feeling like they're eating in a way that doesn't make them feel their best and everything in between. It has just never been that simple, and any company that tries to make you feel like it is or that their way is the highway or the best way is just not the right one to be following. I hope that this episode was both interesting, eye-opening, and maybe a little entertaining too. I really thought that this shift was fascinating to learn about. And I also really believe that this helps to showcase the truth about Weight Watchers, even without going through all the specific nutrition reasons as to why it doesn't work, just like every other diet. Now, if you want an episode like that, you can always let me know. But the last thing that we need to do for this podcast episode is rank this. So when it is pertinent to the topic, I like to rank things on a scale of 0 to 10, 0 being no diet culture at all, 10 being the most diet culture. I feel like Weight Watchers is so high. I mean, I'm thinking, like, are there things higher than this? I probably, like, are there things even higher? Like, I would have to say it's a 9.5, but it may even be a 10. I mean, it's pretty intense. So who's to say exactly the number, but it is one of the highest up there. And I hope, can you hear that? It's Otis again. <laughs> I'm going to 
lose my mind. I have been in here for too long for this. Wow. Sorry you had to hear that. I will be closing out this podcast. If you enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review would mean the absolute world to me. If you have questions on this or if you feel inclined to share it with someone, share it on your story, please reach out. That didn't make sense. I mean, if you have questions, feel free to reach out. If you want to share this on your story or with someone, I would totally appreciate that. I can't wait to see you guys here next week. All my links are in the show notes below. I'm going to stop this while I'm ahead because I'm just, it's not coming together. (laughs) 